God's grace and mercy and peace are all yours through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God's word for his people today is our gospel lesson from John chapter 2. Let's just read again verse 11. It says this, The first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Loved ones, it's very often the things that are hardest to notice that are the most important. Right after Jesus was baptized, he disappeared for a little bit over a month. And when he came back, he was skinnier. He'd gone for over a month without food. And no doubt he was also a lot more serious. During that time in the wilderness, fasting, he had gone through some horrific temptations. And already at his baptism, when it all started, the, the weight of the world was literally put on him. The temptations wouldn't stop when he came back as, as he was the one that would be attacked again and again spiritually as the Son of God. He had the sadness of people whom he loved turning on him and even shouting for his death. And he had the suffering of crucifixion, of hell, all waiting for him. No doubt there was something similar or something more serious about him, something different about him when he got home, even if his mother was the only one to notice. But she did. That's pretty clear from something that happened at a, a wedding that she was invited to and so was he along with a couple of, of new friends. It was at a little town called Cana, not too far from, from Nazareth. And you can just imagine a little bit how his mother might have felt. Over the past 30 years, how anxious, how anxious she must have been getting for, for Jesus to finally show himself for who he really was, her, her boy, the, the Son of God. I mean, even from the get-go, angels had announced her baby's birth and even protected her family when they were in danger. There was an old man that they didn't know at all who came up to them, an old prophet that, that, that the first time they took Jesus to church took him out of her arms and said, this is the Savior of the world and if you're the mother of the Savior of the world, that means you are going to go through some soul-piercing pain. And as a teenager, they went to a church far from home and Jesus spoke of that church that he hadn't been to before and since he was a baby, at least as his home, said, this is my father's house and then even questioned mom and dad why he had to go back home. And these were all things that were told Mary pondered in her heart. She couldn't stop thinking about for decades after she found out that she would be his mother and so she was always wondering when is all of this going to happen and no doubt when Jesus came back after his baptism 
After that month away, there was something different about him, and she must have guessed that it was time. And they, got to, they, they, they went to this wedding, and they ran out of wine at this, at this wedding that could be sometimes a days-long event. And, and so maybe she saw her, her time there and, and said to him, there's no more wine. And you just wonder, what did she expect? Did she expect Jesus to say, serves you right for drinking too much too fast? Stand up like an Old Testament prophet and rebuke them. Or, or maybe he was going to say, as a great leader that she thought he was, all right, everyone, go home, put a couple of bottles of wine in your purse and come back. We're going to save this celebration. Or did she just know him to be wise? She didn't know what he was going to do, but that he was going to do something. She came up to him and said, no more wine is left, Jesus, and she expected him to do something about that. And Jesus did something, but not what she expected. Instead of something grand and and glorious so that everybody could see him, he said to her, what is this concern of yours to me, woman? And then Jesus asked, my, and Jesus, Jesus said, my hour is not yet come, as if to say, Mom, I've got this, <laughs> but not in the way that you think. And then instead of notifying anyone in charge, Jesus talked to a couple of the waiters and said, okay, you know those sinks that everyone washes their hands in while they pray before the meal starts? I want you to refill them all, all the way up to the brim. And then he says, what I want you to do is, I know that's not drinking water, but I want you to take a cup worth of that drinking water over to the bartender and give that to him and see what he thinks. And when they did, he took a sip and he was surprised too. Not that they had given him something that was wine, that was kind of their job, but that this was no two-buck chuck. This was the good stuff. The stuff that takes years to learn how to make and months till it comes out of the barrel just right. And it was surprising because usually what you do is you, you serve the good stuff first and then when everyone's taste buds are, are numb and, and they're not so picky and they're happy with whatever you give them, then, then you bring out the cheap stuff. But he says, you, you save the best to last and he said it, here's the surprising part, to the groom as if he didn't even notice Jesus. Hardly anyone noticed Jesus. His mom knew what he did. His disciples, his close friends, and a couple of the waiters did. But that was about it. We're just told that his disciples saw this happen, and then what they did was they put their faith in him. And that's why Jesus changed water into wine almost under the radar, so that his disciples put their faith in him. Faith, at its very basic definition, according to the Bible, is a trust in your heart, a trust that God forgives your sins because Jesus died for you, and that a God who loves you enough to make that happen will help you with anything that you need. Faith is your connection to God. Faith is the difference between heaven and hell. Faith is your reason to wake up every day and instead of being a self 
serving sinner. To think of yourself as you really are, a forgiven child of God whose purpose in life is to serve God with every decision that you make. Nothing is more important than your faith. Nothing. And this is why God does things the way that he does, kind of under the radar. It doesn't stop us from wishing that God would do things in a way that he gets to show off a little more. When we get sick and it's something for the long term, we wish and we pray that God would heal us instantly. And he can, and sometimes he does. And when he does, that's great. And we thank him for that. Two people haven't talked for years and both of them remember very clearly why and maybe one of them is you. We wish and we pray that God would help them to be friends again. Sometimes he does and that's great and wonderful and we're happy about that. And sometimes we wish and we pray that God would give us enough internal strength to stop a sin that we just seem to not be able to. And when he does, that's great and we're happy and that's wonderful. But it doesn't always work that way. Why not? Because God's greatest concern is not your happiness here in this world and solving all your problems. God's greatest concern is your faith. I mean, just imagine if, it, if God were like a vending machine that you could just put in a couple prayers and out would pop a solution to your problems. What effect would that have? Think of another miracle that that, that Jesus did one time. There were 10 of these men who had this terribly infectious skin disease that were quarantined from everyone else. And they shouted out to him, Lord, have mercy on us. And without even going over by them, he just healed them instantly. And what happened? Nine out of 10 of them forgot about Jesus. They just took off. Only one came back to thank him. And why is that? Because in the human heart, once we have our problems solved, it seems that we've, our awareness of our need for Jesus just fades. And Jesus takes away all of our earthly problems, our need to depend on him, fades away in sinful hearts. And so Jesus does things in a way that's good for our faith, in a way that's, that's harder to notice. He allows us to remain and struggle with illness so that we realize that we aren't as patient as we would like to think that we are, nor are we as strong as we like to think that we are. And so we repent of our weakness and our impatience and find relief in God's forgiveness and find strength that we never knew we had to deal with problems and that, that is stronger faith. He allows us to struggle with relationships so that we realize we're not as humble as we would like to think that we are until we come to the point where we confess our sin, we confess our pride, and we find a need to apologize and to forgive that we never knew that we had. That strength of faith that takes, it's an amazing miracle that happens in us He allows us to struggle with sin so that we realize how powerful it is, how much we need him as our Savior. We need his forgiveness. 
and how wonderful it is that God would choose to die rather than lose us. And we know when we hear of that love of God, that works something in us, a trust in Him. That's faith. Instead of taking away all of our earthly problems, Jesus allows them to be a cross for us that we have to bear so that, that we have to bear so that we depend on Him. And He does something better for us than just making us happy in this world. He strengthens our faith. Of course, it doesn't happen automatically. Not everyone who has problems has faith in Jesus. Think of a, a woman named Polly, and I apologize if I've told this before, but she really gave me an important example in my life of how faith works. She was never a Christian, in her se- and she was in her 70s when, when we met. And we convinced her to come to church, kind of because she was lonely and she wanted to see people. And, and when she did, people kind of winced because they knew that it was only a matter of time before she would, we would hear her swearing about something. <laughs> And she wasn't always kind either. One time a woman walked in with her, with her child and Polly just went up to her and asked in earshot of everyone, why do you dress your baby so ugly? <laughs> but we kept talking with her. She kept coming. And eventually she got to the point where she asked, you keep saying that Jesus died for me. What do you mean by that? I almost choked for joy when she finally asked that and, and, and told her about Jesus, the one who forgives her sins and mine and, and everyone else's in the world through faith in him. And, and we talked more and more. And, and the thing that she would then bring up in just about every conversation was how much peace she had, peace of mind, peace in her heart that she never knew was possible and we hardly had to say a word and she stopped swearing and then she actually would get in these races with this other lady to the door to see who would be the first person to hug and say something kind when someone new came in the door. That was faith and it happened because somebody heard the word of God, the good news of Jesus as their savior. A man spends so much time on his phone because he has to for work and, and because he's gotten in the habit out of boredom and, and makes up his mind, you know, when I get on my phone in the morning, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read my Bible and pray for 15 minutes and finds that he has a lot easier time making decisions about what's important and what's not during the day. A young man goes to church because he has to, his parents make him, and then looks and sees someone baptized one day and remembers, I'm a child of God, just like that person that was baptized today, and, and suddenly finds that he's able to stop a sin that he's been struggling with for a while. A woman comes to church in spite of the discouragement that she gets from her husband and her kids, and finds that she's able to make her decisions and go about her day with a lot less stress. And that something even bothering her conscience no longer does. A young woman takes communion and is able to forgive someone that she's had a riff with for a long time and actually goes and apologizes to her. because of something the world hardly notices as glorious or powerful and important. 
the words from a book, the word with a little water, the word with a little wine and bread. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing for us that he did for Jesus' disciples when they saw him change water into wine, makes the same glorious transformation from sinners into saints, from headed to hell to headed for heaven, from people who want nothing more to sin to people who want nothing more than to serve God with their entire lives. Yeah, someday we'll see the glorious transformation and it will be obvious to all. We'll be in heaven, body and soul, with billions of people whose world is literally lit up, not by a sun or stars or any light source except for Jesus himself. And there won't be even a need for forgiveness because there will be no more sin and there will be no more consequences and effects of it in this world. No more pain, no more sickness or illness or sin or hurt or heartbreak. We're looking forward to that day when we see that glorious transformation, but don't, we don't have to wait for it. Through the gospel in Jesus' words and his sacraments, he makes a glorious transformation in our hearts. Trust him. Trust him that you are forgiven. Trust him that you are loved. Trust him that he will give you strength against your sin. Trust him that he will help you in all your troubles. Trust him that through the cross that you bear, he will make a glorious transformation in you. And that is his promise. And that glorious transformation is that he will give you faith. Amen.